Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haprasit would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. How many people believe the camp is so good this year? How many people already say next year I will be here for sure? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for teaching us the Word of God, and we want to grow. We want to be changed and transformed and renewed to become like Christ. We know your Word is important, and we don't only need the Holy Spirit. We also need the Word of God as well in our house, Lord, in this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As you know, God is love. When we teach and Preach about love. We are talking about love of God Himself. And we love to talk about God. If we don't talk about God, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about self, what I do, what I think, what I feel is about me, 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 me. And then people get tired of it to listen about what you are doing. We want to talk about God. When we talk about God, We will never get tired because the things of God are so big, so much to learn. And when we talk about love, it's a big subject. It's the most important subject in the Bible. Therefore, I'm so excited about teaching about the love of God. In John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Bible says clearly that the new commandment is for us to love one another. And this is the best way to testify the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ. People will know that we are Christ's disciples, and the Lord Jesus Christ is still alive when they see that Church members love one another so much that they can see and experience. Our church doesn't believe in preaching condemnation. Millions of Christians around the world preach condemnation. And I did that to myself. Many years ago, I preached condemnation. What does it mean? If you don't repent, you are sinners. You're going to be burned in the fire of hell. So repent right now. Fire hell. You die in hell. Is that the good news? No. That is the message of condemnation. It's a message that causes people to run away from God. We don't want to preach condemnation. We want to preach the goodness of God. God loves you. God died for you. He took your sin upon himself. He wants to set you free from curses and bondage. He wants to give you victory. Come to God. God loves you. He wants to help you. That is the good news. Amen? And then you ask me, Pastor, if you preach like that, how about that sin? How about that smoking and drinking and pornography and commit adultery, all this thing? Are you not going to deal with it? You just preach about the good news and the goodness of God? This is the way God showed me. You preach the good news, People accept Jesus Christ. They come into the church. And after they come into the church, we just keep teaching the truth without condemnation. We keep being example. 
We get them in the prayer line to receive the fire, and the fire burn demon out of them, the curses and the bondage out of them. Many people cannot stop sinning because they have demon inside them, and you keep pointing finger and condemn them, and they cannot get free because demon control them. So that's why, instead of condemning, we love, we welcome, we teach, we encourage. We show the will of God. We get the fire of God. Touch people. We teach them the truth. Show them the will of God. When they are filled with the power, with the fire, with the love of God, God's power will enable them to overcome sin automatically. The sinful nature in their life will drop off right and left without. Having to go through counseling session and condemnation and punishment and slap on the face, you have to repent right now. Otherwise, you get into trouble. We don't need to do that. Sin just drop off because the main issue is not about commanding people to stop sinning. They cannot because sinners are still sinning. The main issue is relationship with God. If people have good relationship with God, they will stop sinning. We just keep teaching the truth, getting people in the fire, and they will grow day by day, week by week. People will be changed by the word and the fire of God. Take people to the relationship with God, having the loving relationship, and the sin will drop off one by one. Amen. That's how we build the church: bring people in and help them to grow. If we struggle with certain sin, the best thing to do not to run away from church. Not to run away from the Christian meetings, we should even press in to go to church if we know we struggle with some sin. That's why our church don't want to do condemnation at all, because if we condemn, people run away. People feel guilty. People feel like I'm not worthy in this house. I think I should stop going to church. We don't condemn. We want people to keep coming, keep coming, keep being fed, keep being nurtured, keep being disciple, being touched by the fire. And eventually, they will overcome all the temptations. And we know, as a pastor, and God too, God knows. And me, as a pastor, I know that it takes some time for people to change and people to grow up. That's why we are patient with one another, and that's why we want to see people keep changing little by little. Amen. So the most important thing is to bring people to have the right heart with God, not legalism. Not commanding people what to do, but bring them to fall in love with Jesus, and then all the problems gonna be fixed by the Lord Himself. Amen. John chapter fifteen verses twelve to thirteen. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. Being a Christian means to. Have a necklace with the cross on the neck? No. Being a Christian means to be a person of love and a person of service. Before I continue to preach, I want to clarify one terminology. If I use the word minister, the word minister means to serve. Okay. Let's settle this word together. The word minister doesn't mean a pastor or a person with a rank in the church. When I say somebody minister to another person, means somebody serve another person. As a Christian, we are living a life of love and a life 
of serving on a life of ministry. Jesus showed His love to us by serving us, laying down His life to serve us. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me. The New Testament say we should love one another. And how can we love one another? By giving our life for one another. Jesus set a good example. He loved us. And what did he do? He served. He gave himself for us. Why did he give himself to us? Because he loved us more than he loved himself. Let us grow up to become a mature Christian. That we will love brother and sister more than loving ourselves. To the point that we can give or lay down our life for one another in the church. When religious people heard the word laying down one life for one another, they would say, oh, good concept. Some people may do it, but most people cannot do it. Okay, let's go to the next theology. Let's go to the next subject right now. Let's read the next verse. No, no, no. Laying down our life for one another is the core of Christianity. It's the way to show who Christ is. Because that's the way Christ lived. He lived in the way to lay down his life for people. It's not a negative word. It's a positive word. And we don't love one another mournfully. Cry. I need to serve you. No, no, no. We serve one another joyfully. We love one another and we give to one another joyfully. Amen? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Love is giving and love is serving. This is why the devil is fighting against the message of giving so much. He hates the word giving because giving is a manifestation of God's love. Everyone say, I live to love. Everyone say, I live to give. Giving is not something we do once a while when we have a special project to buy a church building or to give to the mission fund. Giving is a lifestyle because we are a love child of a love God. God is love and He practices giving all the time. That's why we live a lifestyle of giving. Amen? How many people notice that God has given so much to you? Giving you a wife, giving you a husband, giving you a job, good friend, good church. How many single people who believe that God can give a spouse? Raise your hand up. Oh, you have faith. May your desire be fulfilled. If we live to love, we will live to give like God. But the problem is this. Our flesh is still there. And our flesh is selfish. Part of our mind is renewed, but another part of our mind is still full of junk. That's why our mind and our flesh still practice selfishness. The flesh say, I am interested in what people can do for me. 
But the love of God that is poured out into our hearts say, "What can I do for you?" People who walk in the Spirit wake up in the morning and think, "What can I do for people today? What can I serve?" Maybe I come into my closet, look for nice clothes, and give to that sister in the church. Maybe I can cause somebody to encourage. Always think about giving, loving, serving, giving, loving, serving. People who are led by the Spirit, but people who are led by the flesh. When they're gonna give that to me? When they're gonna call and encourage me? When those people are gonna give me a check so that I can have more money? Giving is wonderful. I got the email from Berlin last night. This lady have to come to camp and has no money. She is one of the leader in Berlin. She has a red number in the bank account, no money. But somebody paid for her way to come to the camp. Praise God. And then God spoke into me and Pastor Dao heart that give her some money too. So I gave to her some money before we left Germany. She said that when she went back home, her husband said, "Why you smile? Oh, because my bank account is not red anymore. Now it's black. It's not in debt anymore." And the husband said, "How come?" Oh, my pastor gave money to me, and the husband say, "I think I want to come to know Jesus now." <laughs> wow, it's wonderful! People pay for your way to the camp, and now somebody give you money. You see, giving is the way to show the love of God. That your relative will know that God is good, and God is good, and God is love. Amen. We need to give. We need to give, and the flesh will say, "I'm too busy. I have so many things to do in my life. I'm sorry, don't bother me. I'm too busy with my job. I'm too busy with my kids. I have to drive my kids everywhere to the soccer game, to the football game, morning, evening, Monday to Friday. I'm too busy." That is very legitimate answer. I'm too busy. Giving is not just about money. You can give time. You can give loyalty. You can give faithfulness. You can give service. You can give faith. If you love your leader, you give faith to your leader. You give belief and trust to you as a pastor. Trust and faith in me is more valuable than money that you can give me. You reap what you sow. If you sow support to your pastor, you will reap the support. If you sow loyalty. To your leader who is not perfect and still make mistake, you will reap loyalty. If you sow faith and help to people around you, you will reap help and support. If you sow friendship, you reap friendship. If you sow loyalty and you sow trust, you're going to reap those things. If you want to reap good things, you need to give good things out of you to other people around you, even though. They don't deserve those things because you are wise. You want to reap good things. You sow good things. Amen. The Son of God loved us so much that He gave Himself for us. Romans chapter twelve, verse ten: Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. When we love, we give 
preference to one another. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse, let me read verse 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. The Bible says, Love does no harm. Love builds up. Love edifies. Love gives. And now the Bible says, Love will prefer others. When you look at your brother and sister, you esteem them higher than you. Listen carefully. It doesn't mean that they're really better than you. They may not be better than you. But you have the attitude to esteem them better than yourself. And when you think that other people are better than yourself, you give preference or give the preferential treatment. Okay, we have two steaks. One is smaller. The other one is bigger. I give you a bigger steak. Two shares. One is softer. Another one is no cushion. I give you the better one. You treat your brother and sister better than yourself. Give preference. That is love. Amen? That is true Christianity. To love people, to show preference to people, and to consider other people better than yourself. Everyone say, love prefers. Love esteems. Love serves. Mark chapter 10, 45, Jesus said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Again and again, Jesus said, I give myself as a ransom. God gave his Son. He laid down his life. He gave himself for us. He's a loving God. And he said, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. Everyone say again, love serves. If you study the ministry or the service life of Jesus Christ, you will find that he has his primary focus or his main objective or method of operation. There are three Main methods of Jesus' operation. Listen carefully. Number one, Jesus spent time with the Father on a regular basis to receive the input, to receive the message, to receive the direction. Sometimes he prayed all night. Every message, every sermon that Jesus preached, he knew ahead of time by the direction of the Father. He knew who he would pick to be apostles. He was led by the Father 100% of the time. He spent time with the Father. Second, he ministered or served people. Jesus taught. Jesus preached. Jesus laid hand on thousands of people. Jesus cast out demons, raised the dead, stopped the wind. He answered people's questions. His primary focus is to serve humanity. The people around him who need help and need deliverance. Three, the third objective is to minister or serve his apostle or disciple. 
He has 12 apostles and he has 70 disciples. God the Father directed him to produce himself in three and a half years to make disciples. And he showed how to serve to the disciples so that after he left the world, the disciple could do the same thing. To go out, to spend time with the Father, to serve the multitudes, and to make disciples again. You see the picture now? And we are his disciple. In conclusion, Jesus' life or Jesus' ministry was the Father's will and words and action manifested on earth here. He did only what he saw the Father do. He said the words that he heard the Father say. In John chapter 5, verse 19, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most actually I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Jesus always did things that pleased the Father. He is the Father pleaser. He was the manifestation of the Father's will, words, and action. That's why in John chapter 14, verse 9, he said to Philip, He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? He is a perfect, complete manifestation of the Father's on earth here. Whatever he said, whatever he did, is what the Father did and said. Wow, I like to live my life that way. It's wonderful. What is our calling? As a disciple in the 21st century, our calling should be the same thing. We spend time with Jesus and we allow Jesus to minister to us and through us the way he served and ministered 2,000 years ago. The Father in heaven say, we are the body of Christ. We are the hand, the nose, the mouth, the legs, the feet, the chest, the liver of Jesus. We should be the body of Christ. Jesus manifests himself through all of us. And what did he do 2,000 years ago? He served mankind. Because he loved, he served, he ministered to the lost, to the crowd, and he ministered to the disciple. Love, serve, people. Amen? John chapter 13, verses 3 to 15. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. You need to understand one thing. If your pastor don't understand everything, don't point finger. Even Peter, Jesus said, you don't understand now, but a year later you can understand. The same thing with all of us. We don't understand everything today, but a year later we understand more. 
So don't point finger to one another. Okay? We get the knowledge of the Bible not to point finger, not to blame people, but to serve people. Amen. Peter said to him, "You shall never wash my feet." Jesus answered to him, "If I do not wash you, you have no part with me." Simon Peter said to him, "Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head." Jesus said to him, "He who is bath needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you." He talked about Judas Iscariot. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, "You are not all clean." So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, sat down again, and he said to them, "Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, 'Well, for so I am.' And if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash." One another's feet, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. God will never tell us or call us to do anything that He has never done before. Listen one more time. God never tell us to do anything that He never done before. He did everything as example to all of us. Thank God we have good example. Jesus. Wash the disciple feet. Definitely, their feet need to be washed because it might be smelly, dusty, and dirty. Because at that time they did not have the shoes like us. They wear open shoes, walking in the dusty, sandy ground. When they came into the clean home, usually the lowest kind of slave will put the clean water on the feet of the guests or the master and clean the feet. Jesus tried to say that I'm the lowest kind of slave because I wash your feet. Wow, he is so humble, and he say, "If I wash your feet, you need to wash the feet of one another." Jesus, the head of the church, the master of all, the King of all kings, and the Lord of all lords, wash the disciple feet. And who we are? We are Christians. We are the follower of Jesus Christ. We must look like Jesus, act like Jesus, love like Jesus, serve like Jesus. We are real disciple of Jesus Christ. We are not just a church goers. We are disciple. So, as disciple, we should do the same thing as Jesus Christ. Selfishness is so prevalent in the society nowadays, and it look like normal things. I want to. End the sermon here, and then continue tonight. That we should serve one another, amen. Like Jesus did. Everyone say again, "I am a love child of God, and He is love. I will do no harm to anybody. I will not do evil things. I will give." I have a lifestyle of giving. I will prefer my brother. I will esteem them better than myself, and I will serve my brothers and sisters. Let us turn to the next person and say, "What can I serve you? What can I serve you?" Amen. May the Lord bless you. Continue tonight, Amen. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I cannot wait for next year camp. Gonna be better. Amen. Better every year. The presence of God will be even stronger next year. I believe. Amen. And we all gonna grow up. Next year we all will look different, not older, but more anointed. <laughs> more glorious, more mature. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I would like to spend this time to go ahead and teach the word of God because I'm concerned. <laughs> that after worship, <laughs> I cannot teach the word of God. <laughs> so I'm gonna teach the word of God first. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. Let's uh, go on to learn about the love of God. This morning we already learned that the new commandments is for us to love one another. And Jesus set a good example to us. While he was on earth, he had three main objectives. Number one, he spent time with the Father. To receive direction from the Father. So every sermon he preached, every teaching he presented to the crowd or to the people, he knew exactly what he said because he received the message from the Father. He knew where he went. He was directed by the Father in everything he did. The second thing, he ministered or served the people. He spent time lay hand on thousands of people. If you don't like the laying out of hand, you need to go to heaven and argue with Jesus one day. Because Jesus has what we call touching ministry. He touched and touched and spoke and touched. Jesus never knelt down and prayed, Oh God, heal this person. No, he touched and say, healed. Touch, hold, touch, see. He has a touching ministry. He served the people. He cast out demons. He healed the sick. He gave teaching and he made disciples. The third one is that he produced himself by teaching and training the apostle and the disciples. And one day he washed the feet of the disciple. Definitely those feet need to be washed because it was dirty and smelly in the desert time. But he wants to show to us that as the loving God show how he loved people by serving, we should serve one another as well. As a Christian, we are the representative of Christ here. We should act like Christ and we should do the same thing. We practice love by ministering or serving one another. I know we are in a very busy society. Everybody has a lot of work to do. And we heard this comment all the time. I don't have time to serve anybody. I don't have time for anybody. I'm too busy. I have a lot of things to do. I want to encourage you in this teaching that from today on, start a new way of life. That you develop a reservoir of money and time so that you can have something to serve. You need to develop that extra time and extra money. 
We must get ourselves ready to be used by God. If you don't have the resources, the time and money, when God calls us to do something, we get stuck. We cannot help people. So it means we may have to cut some golf games off. We may have to do some less recreation, less computer game, less TV, less personal activities, so that we can have more time and finances to serve other people. And if we can do that, this is what Jesus say in John chapter 13. We read. Before that, he was washing the disciples' feet. He concluded after he washed the disciples' feet. He said in John chapter 13, verses 16 to 17, "Most actually, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, if you know that God loved and God gives and God served." And we practice the same thing: we give and serve. Blessed are you if you do them. If you practice love by giving and serving and preferring one another, you shall be blessed. You shall be happy. How many people want to be blessed? I want to give you a new job, a new a new business. Call foot. Washing business. You can start a new business called foot washing business, and it takes time to wash people's feet. Is that right? It takes some energy. We need to take care of one another. That's why so many people don't want to help because they think that they are too busy with their life. They're busy with their kids. They send their kids to many, many, many sports activity. They do so many things to the point that they don't have a reservoir of time and money to serve one another in the church. I want to educate you one thing: the enemy, Satan, is the master of preoccupation. What does it mean? If he cannot make Christian being busy with sin, he will make you busy with other things, preoccupied with. Committee, committee, committees, meetings and meetings and meetings. Join many, many clubs and become a member of many committees, so that your life will be, your time will be used of many things that God doesn't want you to do at all. And you become too busy. You consume by all these activities and functions and meetings and meetings to the point that you could not do what the Lord direct you to do. Let us ask God after this camp. God, show me what I need to cut out of my life. God, show me the work that is a dead work, the work of the flesh. Anything that I do that will steal time, money, and energy to the point that I don't have enough time, money, and energy to do what God called me to do—to serve and to love other people. Let us ask God each day: Should we do this? Should we join that committee, or should we not join so I have more time to serve? This is the reality of life. In our life, if we get involved in the function that God doesn't want us to do, because we just want to be busy with our own business, then we have to do out of the flesh. There's no grace. So when you do out of the flesh, what happens? You get exhausted. You are worn out. That's why so many Christians look worn out. 
and look depressed and very tired because they do so many activities out of their own effort and their own ability. There is no grace in those activities. But if you do things that God called you to do, there will be abundant grace. God is going to give you supernatural strength, supernatural finances to get the job done. So we should be careful. We don't even have enough time to do what God called us to do. Why we are too busy with what God doesn't call us to do to the point that we don't even have time to do what God called us to do. So it's okay to say no without giving a reason. If somebody call me on Saturday evening and say, oh, let's go out to shop. I say, I love you. Thank you so much. I love you, but I cannot go because I need to rest for Sunday because I have a long day on Sunday. I need to rest, read my sermon and pray and spend time with my family. I have to say no. So saying no is okay. And you don't even have to give any reason why you say no. Because God doesn't direct you to go to shopping with your friend. You can say no. Is it clear? Don't be pulled to here, left and right, everywhere by people. To the point that you are so exhausted every day. And you cannot have time to serve brother and sister. Galatians chapter 5 verses 13 to 16. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, everyone say love. love. Through love, serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. Again, the book of Galatians say the same thing. All the law in the Bible conclude in this sentence. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, Beware lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The question is, why have we been saved, healed, touched, made righteous, made free, given authority, anointed? Why did God help some of us pay off our debt? Why did God give us strength to be able to travel? Why did God give us so much Bible knowledge and anointing? For what reason? To please the flesh? No. God gave us salvation, healing, prosperity, success, victory, wisdom, joy, anointing, power, authority. So that through love, we can serve one another. Everyone say, I am saved, healed, touched, filled, anointed to serve my brothers and sisters. We are anointed to help the weak. We are set free to minister to somebody that come to church and need our help. We are disciples, is that right? If we are disciple, we should be like Christ. And we should walk the walk of love, the walk of giving, and the walk of serving. Everyone say, love gives. Love serves. I cannot emphasize this again and again. The manifestation of love is giving 
and serving. Jesus gave everything that he had. He gave everything. He gave his time. He gave his faith. He gave his anointing. He gave his teaching. He gave his revelation. And eventually, he gave his blood. He gave his body. He gave his comfortable life in heaven to come down on earth here. He gave up everything for all of us because he loved us. Should we do the same thing? Should we lay down our life to serve one another just like Jesus did to us? This is the truth. Some people need your service and your help when they really need you. Not when it's your convenient time. Let me repeat one more time. People need your service and your help at the time they need help, not at your convenient time. Maybe somebody will call you at 11.30 p.m. You're ready for bed and somebody call you. Oh, I am in the hospital. I need help. You look at the clock, 11.30 p.m. This is not my convenient time. Can you call somebody else? It's not convenient for me. Are you willing to serve even at your inconvenient time? Are you willing to serve even though you have to lose some sleep? Some of you say, I need my own private time. I need to sleep more. Don't worry. God is a good God. He will not use you to the point that you collapse on the ground and you have to go into the ICU and have surgery. No, He knows that you need some vacation. You need some rest. But as a servant of God, as a person, as a Christian, a disciple of Christ who want to practice love by serving one another, we should make up our mind that sometime the time of the service can be at the inconvenient time of life. That we need to give up something to be able to meet the need of our brother and sister. You may need to get up so early in the morning to visit somebody. Somebody may need emergency help and you have to drive there and give up a big customer. You say, customer, I'm sorry, I have to go right now. I cannot make a deal with you. I have to go because my friend get into trouble right now. I need to go and serve that person. I want to encourage all of you to start serving where you are right now. Start serving, start helping somebody from today on. You develop a lifestyle of service. Don't allow the devil to rob you from developing the life of love and the life of serving don't stay in the babyhood state of life. Don't stay baby forever. Serve me, serve me, serve me. Bless me. Come to me. No, we begin to reach out. Love people, serve people. Grow up to become mature disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of people believe that to be a Christian means just to go to church on Sunday, sing three hymns, three hers, listen to 15-minute teaching or preaching, giving money in the offering back, Sing doxology and bye-bye. Don't bother my life. I'm going right now. I have a football game to watch. No, the life of Christian is a life of love and a life of serving, serving one another. And not only those who are anointed to be apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher that serve. In fact, apostle, prophet, teachers, evangelists, and pastor are anointed by God, by Jesus, to train people to serve. My job is to train you. I'm a coach. I'm training you how to serve the Lord. 
I love the camp meeting because I can meet so many churches and I can spend time, sit down and do some adjustment a little bit. You need to do this, pastor. You need to adjust how you serve. We train you how to serve the Lord and how to serve brother and sister. Amen? Every Christian should get involved in serving. Every Christian should develop the reservoir of time and energy and money to be able to be used by God anytime. If God call you, I'm ready, God. I have some money. Because serving sometimes need to spend gas money. I'm ready anytime. I have the knowledge in the Bible to be able to minister to somebody. Therefore, again, I want to encourage all of you to set aside extra time and money. So that when the right time comes and the Lord call you, you're ready to be used of God. With your effort, money, and energy, everything you can be used by God. God gives you liberty and freedom to serve one another. Do you notice that when curses came into the world, when sin came into the world, there was a big problem. Cain killed his brother, Abel. And God showed up and said, Cain, where is your brother? Do you know how Cain answered? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? What is the right answer? Let me ask you right now. Are you your brother and sister keeper? We should. We should be our brother and sister's keeper. When I say keeper, I don't mean controlling their life. But mean taking care of them. You look out for me and I look out for you. If you get into trouble, I should know. And I will take effort and action to serve and to help you. Pastor Dan, I are the type of person that if I know some problem, I take action quite quickly. If I know something happened, you know, I fast I answer your email. If I'm not out of town, then I know your problem, I take action. Do something to help and to serve you right away because I am your keeper. And you are my keeper. We serve one another because the love of God is in our heart. We say, yes, I serve you. I take care of you. And you say, yes, I take care of you. Let's turn to each other and say, you are my brother and I will be your keeper. Tell each other. The Bible says we should not look at our own interests only, but we should look for the interests of others. Therefore, if you want to live a wonderful, blessed life, you should always look for opportunity to serve. Selfish life is a miserable life. Blessed life is a life of giving, serving, and loving brothers and sisters. I and Pastor Da, we are the most happiest people in the world. Because all these years, 20-something years now, we have been serving the church, serving people, 
You know, I never feel a burden to stay in the church from morning until the church door closed after Thai service. We are happy to be there, to meet people, to serve people. When I went to mission trip and served all the churches, I was so happy. We have a blessed life. The life of love, a life of giving, and a life of serving. Amen? How many people want to be blessed? From now on, are you going to serve? Serve one another? Look for opportunity to serve. In conclusion, Jesus gave us a new commandment. Love one another as he has loved us. Love never harm anybody. Love builds up. Love edifies. Love gives. And love serves. We are a disciple. And we're going to put this into practice. We're going to be the church that is full of anointed, energetic servant of God. Amen. Amen. We will not be a dead church full of selfish people who think nothing except themselves. But we're going to be the church that stretch out our hand to serve and to bless one another. And the world will know that we are his disciples. And they will come to know Jesus Christ one by one. Our relatives and friends and loved ones will come to know Jesus Christ. When they see that we love one another and serve one another. Amen? How many people promise that after this camp, we're going to practice love unconditionally? Are you going to do good to people who may be sometimes very annoying to you? Are you going to serve them? Or do you choose to serve only beautiful ladies or handsome men or rich men? No, no. You serve everybody. Amen? You don't serve only lovely people. You serve even people who are unlovely. Remember this. God loves all of his kids. Even the mean kids. The rebellious kids. The difficult kids. And the hard-headed kids. And as God loves them, we need to love them and serve them. You may think the person next to me is a difficult kid. <laughs> we serve brother and sister no matter what. Amen? Father, we thank you so much for this teaching in this camp. And Father, please continue to teach us the love of God this year. That we will grow up in love and in faith. And we will become fruitful disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that your Holy Spirit will work in our heart, pour out the love of God into our heart, that we will be able to walk the walk of love, lay down our life for one another, prefer one another, look out for the interests of one another, Father. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. 
You may also visit our website online at www.NewHopeInternationalChurch.com. To them all gathered in your name, I lift to you this new praise song. All the wrongs I have ever done have been washed away by your only son. Bring me your tired, you said. Your glory.